Hi, my name is Darren, and I have a cosmic story for you. Hi, I'm Drew. Kate Winslet was not on the Titanic, but I'll tell you about a bunch of other Kates who were. Hi, I'm Melissa, and I have a story about a science classroom that was a little off-center. What does all this have to do with the word class? Find out in this episode of History Bluffs! Welcome to another episode of History Bluffs. It's where truth is stranger than fiction. And I want to welcome to the show right now, it's your host, it's Alan! Hello! Welcome, welcome. It's time for yet another episode of History Bluffs. Where truth is stranger than fiction. You can see our shows on YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram. Uh, you can hear them on Spotify, sure. iTunes, Amazon Music, and ICQ. And what? Okay. what? There's no, more? <laughs> We're streaming oh binary to an IRC server in you Latin might America. Be on MySpace, for all I know. I don't know. Adam, you just heard our tech. Adam, how are you, Adam? Hey, I'm good. I'm happy to be here supporting. I'm got the I got the sights and the sounds. Well, I'll be there, we've, <laughs> we've got sights and sounds too since we're streaming live video yeah, right are. now yep. on all those places that I just mentioned. Mhm. Mm yeah. And you know what else I should be mentioning right about now is our rules What's of that? the game. Oh, we got rules. Of course we got rules. It's a game show. Here, let me bring up I'm going to bring up the rules card. Please we can do. read those to our for our audio only list. I can. And yes, those of you who are not seeing this on a screen, let me tell you the entire premise of the uh, story must be. Uh, well, excuse me. The historians are inspired by the topic and the Correct. true stories are going to be factual. Those Correct. have to be completely factual. They cannot be embellished, fabricated, etc. But the bluff story, that's going to be fictional. And mm -hmm. ho ho ho. That's right, it is a bluff after all, but but there will be a few facts in the bluff's story. We know that, of course, any good story is going to have to have some facts, so they will have things like, uh, I don't know, George Washington being the first president of the United States. That might come up. Who knows? But there will be a few facts, but the premise will be false. And okay. those All of right. you out there watching live, we ask that you please do not use the internet to fact check because that audience is cheating. Oh, then that wouldn't be fun. We don't want it, to cheat. It wouldn't be. It is not time to cheat. But speaking of time, I will tell you about time. Our round number one will be a mere 75 seconds long. Round oh. two will be a minute long. And then round number three is 45 seconds. And at the end... We will determine who is a true armchair historian and who is the history bluff. There it is again. There it is again. It's That's the bluff right. sound. That's the bluff sound. <laughs> now, we normally refer to these as lessons uh, mm -hmm. uh, in, in our way of cataloging stuff. So that's appropriate because today's topic is the word class. Ah, oh, there it is. Yes. And so what we're going to do right now is we're going to kick off round number one with our first historian. But we can't do round number one before. First, we have to introduce the round tracker, 9,000. Oh, there it is right there. Yes. Ooh. 
That is that, an amazing piece of technology that you can follow how mm -hmm. far we are along in each given round. Right. If you're watching and not listening only. If you're listening only, you're SOL. But yeah, that's right. You have me to narrate all the things that you can't see. We like that. Okay. That's, that's what you're here. You do it. And that's Thank what you. you do, Alan. Thank that you. Is, that is what I do. I tell it like it is. Because I'm honest, Al, and I tell it like it is. That's what they call them in the, that's what they in call the history me. books. Yes. Let's, okay. So let's kick off round one with our round one intro, Adam. Let's do it. Let's go to round number one. Ah, oh, that's the smell of a new round. Yes. For those, for those with the smell technology. <laughs> yeah, we don't know what streaming service we're going to provide that on, but it's one of them. We'll find it's out. It's one of them. But anyway, hmm. Darren, you've got a spacey story that's out of this world. I do. I want and you to kick it off. Involves someone named Al, even. Oh, fantastic. All right, on the boom, the, the floor will be yours. If I asked you to name the most famous physicist of the last century, I would hardly be surprised if you said Albert Einstein. After all, he won the Nobel Prize for Physics in 1922 for his work on general relativity. He helped usher in the atomic era. And maybe even more famously, there's that photograph of him with his tongue sticking out like that. Uh, but besides Einstein's influence on science and photography, there's his influence on arguably the second or, or maybe third most famous physicist of the last century. No, not Stephen Hawking. I'm talking about Carl Sagan, you know, the billions and billions guy from Cosmos. Um, Sagan was born in Westchester, New York in 1934. And as we're all aware now, he was a very bright boy. Uh, he excelled in math in high school to the point that he was bored and unchallenged by the curriculum the high school could offer. And so when Carl was 16, his father, who worked for an influential publishing company, arranged for Carl to meet with John von Neumann, a professor from nearby Princeton in New Jersey. Von Neumann was impressed, and Carl Sagan began attending Princeton at the age of just 16. Wow, that's good timing. Wow. Some some facts thrown in there, or are they? We don't know if Darren's just making this stuff up. Uh, Carl Sagan going to Princeton? I don't know. Darren, what do you think? What do I think? Uh, I, I drew. Think I, I do this a lot. The same letter. Starts with the same letter. <laughs> when Easy I talk mistake. to these people in person, I never confuse their names. <laughs> but when they're on my computer screen, I always reverse who is who. Drew, what do you think about Darren's story? Well, I don't have a lot to say yet. Um, Darren, he's talking like, oh, we all should know about Carl Sagan. And, and the, the fact of the matter is, is I don't know diddly squat about him. Um, I did have the poster of Albert Einstein with the tongue out when I was in high school. So um, that's that's got to count for something. But so me not knowing anything, this could be true or total BS. So I'll wait and hear more. Okay. Melissa, we heard some information about Carl Sagan and some other people. What, what was what's your take? Yeah, so I'm kind of with Drew on this one. And that this story that's supposed to be out of this world seems a little down to earth right now. So I'm going to wait and see. Uh, it seems like it fits. Facts about Carl Sagan sound, sound right. All right. They sound right so far. And they might be right so far. Maybe Darren has yet to bluff and he's waiting for rounds two and three. We don't know yet. But... You know what we're not going to wait for is for Drew's turn to give us his 
uh, story, uh, episode, uh, round one, chapter, starting with a cannon shot. Okay, so let's talk about social classification, how it plays a part in, in traveling. Uh, there's first class, second class, and there's third class. Uh, this was true on the most famous ship of all time, Titanic. Uh, now, this is not a bluff. The Titanic stunk. We all know that. So I'm not going to tell you the history on how that transpired. But I do want to share the story of a few of the third class passengers on the Titanic who all happened to be named Kate. Uh, first, some facts about the third class passengers. When the Titanic left uh, Southampton in April 10th, 1912, there was around 709 third-class passengers on board. Only 174 of those passengers survived. A third-class ticket costs about seven pounds, and passengers were not allowed onto the first or second uh, uh, level decks. They slept on bunk beds in crowded cabins of four to six people, and they were only there were only two bathrooms on the entire third-class uh, third area. Side note, 1997, the musical Titanic debuted on Broadway, and it featured three fictionalized versions of three young lasses named Kate, uh, McGowan, Murphy, and Mullen. McGowan died at 42. She didn't She didn't survive the, the shipwreck. Four on the other, Kate's later. Wow. Drew talking about Titanic and people named Kate while Kate hmm. is not on the show. No. That is crazy. What are the odds? I don't know. Uh, Melissa, what is your take so far? Yeah, my take, my question right now is if there were so many Kates on board the Titanic, then why did Kate Winslet have to play Rose? Like, why, like, why couldn't they change the name to make it fit? Um, so, so far, that's my question is really a question for James Cameron. Hmm. Okay, Darren, what do you think? I'm actually starting to get PTSD. Uh, earlier this year, my JetBlue flight was canceled and I was forced to fly Spirit. And so far, he's <laughs> described my experience, except for uh, there was no one named Kate on board that I know of. Oh, but there could have been. <laughs> there could have been. You don't know. All right. Well, that's an interesting factoid. Or maybe Darren's bluffing. I don't know. Melissa, <laughs> it's your turn to bluff and or tell the truth for round number one, once you hear a big boom from a cannon. Think that a classroom is made up of desks and a chalkboard? Well, think again. What better place to do a science experiment than the Leaning Tower of Pisa? Construction on this tower began in 1173, and the tower was built actually as a part of a much bigger project that included a cathedral and a baptistry, and all of the best architects and engineers were on the job. But as we know, it wouldn't be called, it's not just the Tower of Pisa, it's the Leaning Tower. And it was because they built on subsoil without enough, like, um, I guess, piles or something beneath it to support it. So slowly the building started to lean. And then it took uh, another 199 years to complete the building of the Tower of Pisa. So that's where our setting is for this story. Uh, fast forward to the 16th century, and it became the site of a famous experiment by Galileo Galilei. So Galileo is known for proposing heliocentrism, which is the idea that the Earth revolves around the sun. But before that, he was actually a professor of mathematics at the University of Pisa. And that's where you'll have to wait for part two. Wow. 
All right. Well, Darren, you're already talking about a famous astrophysicist, so maybe I'll start with you. What's your take on Melissa's uh, description of Galileo? Yeah, it's a sort of a stunning coincidence that I'm actually going to be talking about mathematicians myself. And uh, so in researching this story, I, I did indeed uh, learn some more about Galileo. So, so far what Ooh. she's saying uh, tracks with my research. Oh, hmm. well, sounds wow. like a confirmation so far. Interesting. Drew, what do you think? Um, yeah, sounds, sounds believable. Same thing with, 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 uh, Darren's Carl Sagan. Like, I, I just, I don't know enough about this. Um, I certainly have heard of the, the leaning tower of Pisa. Um, the fact that it, it was like, it took 199 years later, it was still being worked on. Um, that's a, uh, that's a, sounds like the, the same people that work on the, the interstates, um, you know, <laughs> it just takes them forever to complete something. So. Mm. That's true. Yeah, that's that, true. Is, that is quite a while to work on something. But uh, you know what we're not going to have to work on anymore is round number one. No, that means won't. it's time. Well, look, as you can see right oh, there. Oh, there it is right there in the full. round tracker. That round one is full. That means we got to work on this round. Yes. With a big old intro, Adam. Let's go to round number two. <laughs> Look at that. Here we are. Number two. In round number two. This is a good opportunity to remind us that this is a live show and people from the internet can say things uh, right. such as Chris out there saying that the tower workers were definitely paid by the hour. Oh! Just like our... Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yes. yes uh, That's right. Several probably generations probably. were paid by the hour, apparently. Unless there's a really old guy working on it at the end. Someone, I don't know. Yeah, but he knows everything there is to know about the worksite, though. He's the go-to. He's the go-to. He's like, He's you're, go you're 199. What do you think? <laughs> what, what was your favorite experience on this project? Let me tell you something. <laughs> Every time. Oh, don't get My it going. My favorite portion was laying down that uneven foundation soil. Why is that he starting nice. to sound like Bill Cosby? <laughs> Bill Cosby's old. So maybe he was there. I don't know. No. <laughs> right. Oh my God. Well, we're gonna start. Oh, no. We're gonna start round. We're gonna, start, we're, gonna we're gonna do round two. Yes, we start are. Round two, the same way we started round one, which is with Love Darren, it. and uh, he's go. gonna tell us a little bit more about Carl Sagan. I think once mm -hmm. we hear that shot. Okay, okay, rounds are shorter. Here we go. All right, so in 1950, as Carl Sagan began his undergraduate work, Princeton was one of the top schools in the world for mathematics. John von Neumann, who recruited Sagan, was an important pioneer in computer science. In fact, something called the von Neumann architecture powers all of these computers that we're using today. And uh, remember that Russell Crowe movie, A Beautiful Mind, and the famous uh, mathematician John Nash? John Nash also started at Princeton at age 16, just 10 years earlier than Carl Sagan in 1944. And Nash got his PhD in mathematics in 1950, which is about the same year that Carl enrolled. So it seemed with this incredible environment that Carl Sagan was destined to be a great mathematician. But Princeton was also a top school for physics, having numerous Nobel Prize winning faculty on the staff. And it was among those faculty was Albert Einstein, who had been at Princeton since the late 1930s. 
And it was oh. Albert Einstein who would change Carl Sagan's destiny. What? Albert Einstein and Carl Sagan in the same room? Whoa. That's crazy. Is it true? Drew, what do you think? Um, yeah, he's uh, he's certainly like connecting dots here to, you know, Einstein to Sagan and Sagan to Nash. Um, but I'm just distracted. Every time he says this uh, name, John von Neumann, I, I think he's going to say John Bon Jovi, and it just is distracting. <laughs> Focus, so. <laughs> yes i was gonna go with john voigt but yeah <laughs> okay yeah it, it could be a neumann to oh. go there oh God. where's That's my trombone i need a right trombone for that right that was trombone there. worthy we need Deserve. at least one per show melissa what do you think uh you know i'm <laughs> I'm starting to feel like these things aren't adding up about all these mathematicians. Hmm. Um, it just feels like, yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> it feels like you get the you rim know. shot. Uh, <laughs> like there's a lot of names here. And also Nash, like uh, there's a rock star last name, Nash, who's uh, Crosby stills and Nash. Right. So it's mm -hmm. another, uh, mm -hmm. another thing. It seems like there's a lot of people in this room and I'm wondering if that's a tactic. Hmm. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Mm, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, you don't know. We don't know. We haven't we discovered don't. who the bluff is yet. Nope. But not Drew, yet. we want to hear what your story is in round two. We want some more information about Kate on the Titanic. And again, if Kate's listening, our cast member who is a self-proclaimed expert on Titanic, mm -hmm. let us know what you think after the fact. Drew, we're <laughs> gonna hear more. All right. So let's talk about the other Kates, starting with Kate Murphy from Longford, Ireland. Uh, this Kate made the fateful decision to follow her sister Maggie on the voyage so Maggie could reunite with her fiancé in New York. The sisters were actually forbidden to go to the U.S. but rebelled. They ultimately packed their bags in secret and fled with some young men from Longford, uh, telling, not telling their families or friends. Uh, Kate and her sister were assigned a cabin with two other girls from Longford named Kate. Kate Gilnog, who was on her way to rejoin a sister in, in Manhattan, and Kate Mullins, who also had a sister in New York. Uh, now, there were many other passengers from Longford on the ship, and many of them knew each other from church, school, etc. cetera. Uh, so even though they were restricted to, to the third class level, uh, the first few nights were spent partying uh, with like true Irishmen and Irishwomen in the communal area. It was all smooth sailing until that night on April 15th. Now, you know what's going to happen, but I'll tell you more about Kate in round number three. Okay. Interesting. We have a story that somehow involves going from Ireland to New York. And we know that the ship was built in Ireland and its maiden voyage was going to New York. Uh, Melissa, what do you think? Yeah, I'm not sure what I think about these duplicates. Um, there's just, it's just a lot. <laughs> oh, you got the record scratch. <laughs> There you go. Um, I mean, they all have different, they have agendas, but then they're all kind of partying together. I, I'll, I'll wait to hear a little bit more, but I'm, I i don't know. There's a, there's a lot going on. A lot of, mm -hmm. of cakes. All right. Uh, Darren, what do you think? I, I'm waiting for round three, but I assume what we're going to find out is that Kate Murphy was really popular with the other Kates who she roomed with. On the count of the fact that her bed folded up, which made a lot of room in that tiny cabin. <laughs> Come on. Yes. Ridiculous. Murphy bed, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> oh, those, those who don't know. 
That is a Murphy That's bed. <laughs> it would make sense to have a Murphy bed on a ship. I it think. Was. We don't know who invented that. I don't know who invented that. It could have been her. It could have been next, her. Next God, week. I, I learned so week. much here. I learned so much. Well, Melissa, we want to hear some more about the Leaning Tower of Pisa or Galileo or whatever it is you're going to tell us in round two. All right. So Galileo is a professor of mathematics at the University of Pisa. And one of the things that he is going to do is, as a good science teacher, he wants to do a demonstration. And his main goal was to prove Aristotle wrong. You see, Aristotle, a lot of people believe for a long time that when objects were in free fall, that, oh, you're good. good. Keep going. Keep Keep rolling. So his main idea was to uh, disprove Aristotle. And Aristotle had the idea that basically as heavy as an object was, the heavier it was, it would fall faster. But Galileo wanted to disprove him. So what he did is he took two different spears. There's a little bit of a debate about whether or not they were cannonballs or not and dropped them from the Tower of Pisa. And uh, they had different weights, even though they were the same size to account for air resistance. And sure enough, even though they were different weights, they hit the ground at the same time because acceleration is constant. Fantastic. Fantastic. I learned that in physics class also. By the way, uh, I recently checked that uh, a falling object goes from zero to 60 in 2.7 seconds. And and the new Tesla Plaid goes from zero to 60 in 1.9 seconds. So Whoa. It, Whoa. it accelerates faster than gravity. I found yikes. that. Well, yeah, yikes is right. So try how, driving in one of those, by the way. How did you pick it up? They're heavy. <laughs> oh no! There you Boom! Go. Sorry. Wow! Boom! Uh, Darren, what do you think? Yeah, uh, I'm just picturing like Galileo. I was like, "All right, it's time to go to church. Let me bring these cannonballs." Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know, it's the 1600s. It's probably the fashion at the time. He dropped them from the Pisa Tower, though. Well, he wasn't but going to church. It's part of a. It's part of a church. I've been there. There's a baptistry oh. there. Okay. See, I don't know much about the Pisa Church. I don't yeah, know that. The, you don't hear about the church, Pisa. You hear no, about the tower, Pisa. this tower is leaning. Oh, but there's a church service going on. So quiet. Not a word. Not a word. Mm, Drew, what do you think? Um. Yes. Yeah, so this is starting to ring a bell about like something I you know was half listening to in in science class or <laughs> physics class in high school or whenever that was. Um, so um, I, at this point, I'm leaning towards uh, <laughs> Melissa's telling telling the truth, oh. but uh, I'll wait and see what happens. All right, we still got round three uh, to straight up bluff. We don't know. That's true. We don't know. Oh, what? Speaking <laughs> of, there's, hey. there's three three people went in round two. Adam. Hey, you know what that means, Alan? I, I do. It means we're going to round number three. Three. Oh. Round number three. Oh. Welcome to round three. Round. It's the final round, round three of three, and the timer is even shorter, as you mentioned at the top of the show. We have 45 seconds for these rounds to finish the stories. It's almost done. We're going to wrap this up for you. Those of you who have short attention spans, mm. you're almost out of the woods. Uh, and Chris or anyone else who wants to comment, let us know what you think so far. Who do you think's bluffing? We're halfway through. And uh, we're going to bring up Darren again to top off 
to start off round number three, Darren, this is your final chapter to tell us some information about Carl Sagan, Von Neumann, John Nash, or whomever else you want John to talk Boyd. about. Okay, here we go. So, though by 1950, Einstein was not actively teaching at Princeton, he still held an office on campus as part of the Institute for Advanced Study. And as part of this role, he would give seminars on the mathematics of relativity, for which he won the Nobel Prize. And these seminars were open for any students or faculty to attend. And Einstein was about as famous back then as he is now, so Carl Sagan jumped at the chance to go to a lecture and see Albert Einstein talk. Uh, at the time, Sagan enjoyed astronomy as a hobby, but when he attended Einstein's seminar and learned how the mathematics of relativity applied to the motion of the stars, it was a life-changing event for him. He learned that he could apply mathematics to his hobby of astronomy, and that's when he made the decision to become an astrophysicist. Whoa! Albert Einstein, according to Darren, inspired mm. Carl Sagan to wow. be one of the most uh, famous astrophysicists of all time. Uh, so, Drew, what do you think? Um, I think this is just too, it's too easy. It's, there's like the fact that all these, these people cross paths the way that Darren would have us believe. Um, I, I, I feel like there's some stretches being, being taken. Mm. So, all right. You offended some audience members, Drew? <laughs> yeah. So angry uh, upset <laughs> physicists out there. <laughs> who knows? Maybe Drew's right. Maybe Darren's bluffing. We don't know. But it sounds like Drew's thinking there's some bluff going on here. Melissa, what do you think? Yeah, I'm I'm actually kind of with Drew on this one. I'm worried that Darren flew a little too close to the sun by mentioning so many different astronomers and things. So different mathematics. That's, that's different. That's, <laughs> that's Greek. That's not oh. Greek. <laughs> oh, All look right. at it. It is. Fair. Yes. Well, okay. Uh, well. See what you did. I, yes. We, Icarus. Don't be ridiculous. I get two. I got two Dude, trombones. This he's episode. going for. He's trying to break records. Going to break that record. <laughs> Just you wait, Drew. Uh, we we it, it's time for you to wrap up your story about the Titanic, about Kate, about whomever's uh, on that Murphy bed with her. I want I want to hear the the end of the story. <laughs> okay, there we go. Okay, so on April 15th, the three Kates, and, and don't forget Maggie, had returned to their cabin after that evening's party. There was a knock on the door. A friend told them to get dressed uh, because the engines had stopped. As they tried to find their way to the upper decks, they found the way either blocked by physical barriers or by crewmen redirecting them elsewhere. It was chaos. Uh, they finally got through thanks to a, a strapping Irish lad named James Farrell who intimidated a crewman enough that he let them pass. But when they finally got to the upper deck, uh, they had to deal with more crewmen blocking them uh, and while watching rescue boats go down like half half filled. Uh, thankfully, they finally were able to get onto some lifeboats. They all survived, but sadly, most of their male companions did not. That's the true story of, uh, of uh, four Kates and one Maggie. Four Kates and one Maggie. I got a comment on uh, Chris's comments, which was back during Drew's story, which uh, he says that's almost like the Aristotle, Plato, Socrates, or 
to parallel that, the Bill Parcells, Bill Belichick, Mike Vrabel coaching trees talking about Carl Sagan Good being crazy. influenced by Albert Einstein. And if those of you who saw Oppenheimer, you know that uh, Einstein talked to Oppenheimer as well. So that's fun. Uh, but back to Drew's story about the quadruplicates. And <sighs> let's hear what Melissa's take is. Yeah, uh, you know, it seems somewhat plausible, but I'm also like, you know, all the blockages, I'm worried if that's a metaphor for like a writer's block, if you are the bluff. It could be, it could be, just saying. Could be. Mm. Darren, what do you think? I'm thinking that Drew is remembering fondly his time in Orlando when we would go and have a pint at Kate O'Brien's. <laughs> and that was the inspiration for a story. I, I mean, other than like, if your supposition is there were four people named on the Titanic, people named Kate on the Titanic. Fine. <laughs> I can believe that. <laughs> Chris thinks that Drew watched four weddings and a funeral just before oh. the show. <laughs> That's also Chris's possible. Opinion. <laughs> right. Also possible. We want to hear the final chapter of our final story from mm -hmm. Melissa. It's, it's involving Galileo. Uh, it's in Pisa and we'll see what else happens right now. All right. So if you think the leading tower of Pisa is a crazy place for a science classroom, just wait to what happens next, because this experiment was taken to another step further in 1971 when it was repeated on the moon. That's right, David Scott, who was an astronaut on the Apollo 15 mission, actually repeated the same experiment on the moon. He dropped a hammer and a feather from the same height, and because of the lack of atmosphere, there was no air resistance, and they landed at the same time at the surface. And his quote was, and we thought there would be no, no better place to confirm findings than the moon, and so we thought we'd try it here for you. And that's on tape, and therefore... Classrooms can really take any shape or size. Very cool. Yeah. Even using the moon's gravity, gravity is consistent. Very cool. Darren, what do you think? Did this astronaut lean over <laughs> drop these items? <laughs> or did he stand up? You get your rim shot. Ooh. You got one in, Darren. Thank you. That's all you wanted to know, Darren? <laughs> That's okay. all I wanted to know. Okay, Drew, what do you think? Yeah, I was the hard? I, I imagine the hard part was uh, building the Tower of Pisa on the moon first. <laughs> That's, um, yeah. That's hard to do. Took 199 years. Yeah. yeah. Mm. <laughs> Let me tell you about something. How did, how's that go, Alan? What's that guy sound like? Was he there too? Bill Cosby. I built a ladder that got us to the moon so that we could drop the feathers and the hammers and whatever else we want to drop. Ah! The hard part was getting Bill Cosby on the rocket. <laughs> <laughs> well, he wasn't in jail back then. No. That's true. Back then, <laughs> it was a long time ago. So, all times. right. Well, that's all three of our stories and all three of our rounds. Oh. So, um, it's a full so round tracker. It's a full round tracker. That means it's time for our audience to weigh in. And it's also time for our historians to weigh in. So, Darren, I want to hear your opinion. Who do you think is telling the truth? Who do you think is bluffing? 
Well, you know, I can verify some of what Melissa said. I, I do recall in physics class learning about astronauts dropping stuff on the moon, and I've heard of Galileo's experiment. Um, there might be some other details in there I'm not sure of. But there's absolutely nothing I can verify about Drew's story about there were four people named Kate on the <laughs> Titanic. Uh, so just from the fact that it's unprovable, I'm going to have to go with Drew. Aha. Uh -huh. Yes, that's right. Drew could easily have made that up because it, it's one of these stories that uh, is unconfirmed. And why, pray tell, would they not have made a movie about this? It sounds like a wonderfully interesting story. But Drew, that's enough about me outing you. What, what do you have to say? <laughs> um, I Yeah, I so Melissa's story, like, everything seemed very plausible. But then at the very end, she threw in the whole moon thing, which could have been like a classic, like, uh, you know, uh, history buffs uh, tactic to like throw in something um, that maybe doesn't seem like it fits the rest of the story. Um, however, I go back to Darren and like, I mean, he just was name dropping like crazy. I mean, the only, he just, you know, he did, went as far as like all these names. I thought maybe he was going to mention Stephen Hawking there at the end, but he didn't. But um, nonetheless, I got to say Darren is the bluff. Oh, Drew thinks Darren is the bluff. Melissa, what's your take? Ooh, this is a tough call. So I think Drew's story does have a lot of Kates. So he wins on having the most Kates in a story. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> But I think it's conceivable. I think I know more than four Kates. So I think that it's fair. It's a common-ish name. I think it could be true. I think what makes me think that Darren is the bluff was all of the names. You have all of these bright pupils in one place and all of these stars in one place. And I'm just wondering if it's, if they're going to collide and dim. I don't know. Hmm. Interesting. Well, we have no opinions from the audience as of right now, uh, but I want, uh, you're welcome to chime in in the next few seconds, but I just want to reiterate. I think Drew voted for Darren. Is that right? Yes. Uh, that's correct. And that means Darren voted for Drew and Melissa received zero votes. So if Melissa wow. was the bluff, that means she got away scot-free. Uh, or Kate-free. Oh! <laughs> free of Kate's. Oh, it could happen. We have Chris weighing in. He said based solely on the number of people on the ship, Drew's story of four women named Kate is very plausible. Having said that, he is the bluff. Okay. Mm, okay. That's what Chris All right. says. So that's an audience vote for Drew. Chris right. is voting for Drew. Drew is uh, less provable. Darren is quite provable because he used a very public figure. Mm. And uh, Melissa also used a public figure. But again, Melissa received no votes. I don't know for sure. But you know who knows is our tech Adam. Right, Adam? That's right, Alan. I know. And I'm going to reveal who the bluff was for this episode of History Bluffs. Was your bluff Darren? Was your bluff Drew? Or could your bluff have been Melissa? Who would have gotten away with it scot-free? I will reveal it now. Your bluff. It was Darren. Dun, dun, dun. Wait a minute. Uh, that means Drew... Yep. Who picked Darren. That's right. Would be our winner today. Well done, Drew. Hey, oh. that's right. Well, uh, actually, so did Melissa, Melissa also oh, Melissa did too? 
Yeah. yeah. So it's well yes. done. Yep. Well so done. They got it. They got it. So Darren, Darren's uh, looks like Darren's story was not as believable as he as a bluff wished they would be. No, but I was but leaning towards Drew as, as who I thought was bluffing. So, and also Chris. Chris thought Drew was bluffing. So that's true. We're wrong. So Our Darren fooled were Chris. Right. Darren fooled Chris, which I is Chris. a celebration. It's a win in my book. Yeah, that's a win. That is a win. <laughs> Carl Sagan did go to college at 16, by the way, but he went to the University of Chicago. Ah, ah look at that. Okay. And he didn't meet uh, Einstein, as, he, as far as you know? He did not meet Einstein. Wow. But they were both alive at the same time. Wow, oh, missed opportunity. Fascinating. Fascinating. Okay. I guess we probably would have known that if it were true, right? Yeah. I don't know. Um, so I think that's about all we have to say for today, right, uh, right Adam? That is it, Alan. That's it. That's the that's the wrap of the show. We've learned something and we've laughed. Good. All right. Let's well, cue Alan, the music. Let's do it. Thanks so much for hosting the show, Alan. And big thanks to our historians, Darren Drew and Melissa. And remember, we are here every week on YouTube, on Twitch. Get us where you listen to your podcasts. We'll see you next time.